every form of work, there is some type of trade, and every trade has its form of art. It takes a special talent to transform well-made items we use today from mundane and obscure materials. These talented individuals are called master craftsmen. The journey to become a master craftsman takes hours of dedication, learning, and perfection of their skill. They are forever students, constantly improving their skills and continuing to push the limits of what we would call a masterpiece. This is Master Crafts. I would also add to that list um, just some just some general what am I trying to say? Just some, uh, they already have like some basic skill sets or uh, an aptitude. Maybe that's the better word. They already have a, an aptitude for what they're doing. It's just, it comes naturally to them a little bit, you know, it, or at least it seems that way when you, when you work in the presence of a master craftsman. True. Very true. Um, yeah, I mean, their individuality obviously pours out as they're, as they're doing it. Yes. Yeah. You can definitely tell who enjoys the work and who's just doing the work. You right. Know? Right. Absolutely. And then, like you said, you know, like there's a certain aptitude you got to have, like everyone who's a master has to have these basic uh, skills or understanding of what the heck they're doing. So it's not just like some guy just mod podging stuff together. <laughs> sure. And I mean, a lot of master craftsmen, you know, if you, you know, like say blacksmithing, for instance, I mean, a lot of them worked uh, as an apprentice for another master blacksmith. And that guy worked for uh, another master, you know, everybody learned from somebody else. Nobody just was born knowing how to do certain things. Right. Yeah. But, but again, like you said, their, their own personality comes out in their artwork. And so like, you know, recently I was, um, I was, uh, loaned out to support a project, um, within the company that I work for, but on another program and we had to do a lot of sheet metal work. And now from my own past, I, I don't have a lot of sheet metal experience or airframe experience in general, but I was working with some individuals who I would learn pretty quick did have some experience. Um, but you could also tell that they enjoyed that kind of work mm -hmm. and they would, we had to reinforce the, um, the nose of this, uh, Gulfstream aircraft to support some weight that they were going to hang from the front, um, that the aircraft wasn't originally designed to hold. And you watch these guys take a sheet of aluminum and turn it and bend it and cut it and fold it, rivet together, bolt together, just these intricate brackets designs to not only reinforce that, that nose, but also incorporate existing avionics equipment that mounted in there. And they would make these elaborate trays out of just a flat piece of metal. And it would just to watch it happen, you know, and I was just assisting the guy, I was, you know, just an extra set of hands. Uh, here's, you know, sand this down or round these corners off or, you know, simple stuff or, you know, hold the bucking bar while we bang these rivets. But to watch those people take nothing and turn it into something was just, it was pretty mind blowing. Um, mm -hmm. And you could see that they were enjoying it along the way because they would put it up there. And, you know, from my eyes, I'm like, man, that looks really good, but it wasn't good enough for them. Yeah. They were like, ah. Eh. They look at it and you put it up there and they'll, they'll, you know, they might click it in place and they're looking at it and like, yeah, well, okay. And I'm like, wow, it looks really good. And like, yeah. And then they walk away and then you come back. And then they come back like 30 minutes later, like no. And they pull it back off and they go and make some slight modifications or sand this corner down a little bit more or open up this one hole so you can fit 
uh, cannon plugs through there easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it was just really, really awesome to see because, um, I, I feel like I don't have an eye for that kind of a thing. And it's, it's impressive to watch those who do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you were saying, they would look at it, they'll kind of, they'll see all the little intricate flaws in it that the normal person just wouldn't. And that kind of attests to like the amount of um, work that it takes to be at the level that they are, especially because now you're fine tooth combing all these little missteps, say, and some of it is either their fault or it's the equipment's fault. Like it didn't, it didn't hold the temperature that they needed to for the amount of time they did or something like that. For the average person, it's just like, okay, in, you know, we're splitting hairs or we're, we're dissecting atoms or something like that. But to someone who actually knows what they're doing and what they're trained to do, they, they see it, they hear it and they could understand it at a far uh, deeper level than we ever could. Or, or say for example, um, people look at only that individual component, right? We all know in aviation that they're like, why the hell would they design it that way? But that's because engineers, right? And they only look at the one individual component in their CAD drawing. They're not looking at the bigger picture and what's around it, what else might have to go or be run through that area. And so engineers like, yeah, build this bracket. And, and you know, the, the fab techs get out there and like, okay. And they build up the bracket and they put it up there and they're like, well, okay, this is what you want, but here's some issues. And then they go and they're working with the engineer to, to redline the drawings and, and correct them. And like, look, we can put this here, but you need to punch another hole through the backside of this bracket because we're going to run this cable from this other component has to come through this area. But when we put this new bracket in here, you know, we got to figure out how to reroute and there's not enough cable length to do that. So, you know, they're, they're looking at bigger picture items rather than just up. Oh, here's your component. Yeah. Right. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. I, I can't begin to tell you like just how much some of that stuff is. Matter of fact, uh, I had an issue at work where, um, well, the current job I'm at, where there was this one engineer who like swears by his drawings. Like he's real savvy when it comes to making the drawings, but the actual like application of what he just put on paper just like makes little to no sense. So we were having this issue where this part wouldn't f uh, wouldn't fit into this access panel. And we keep saying that, hey, man, you need to come take a look at this. And he swears up and down, gives us all the math about yep. how it's supposed to work. And we're like, that's cool and all, man. And I see your drawings. I see how elaborate you made it. But but come out here and look at this real quick. It was such a hassle just to get him to leave his seat because that's his world. That's his universe or whatever the case may be. And then as soon as he gets to the plane, I'm like, he just looks at it like, there's your part. And this is the spec that you gave us. We're trying to fit. We're basically trying to fit the star into the into the rectangle pattern you know <laughs> like it just doesn't work <laughs> and he's like standing there all baffled like divides by zero what the hell and i'm like this is what you gave us man <laughs> well and that's that's the thing right it they come out and say no my every you know it's supposed to fit and you're like well i'm telling you it's it doesn't fit well my drawing says i don't care what your drawing says it doesn't fit right and, and i ran into the situation years ago that we were mounting this component to the center line of the belly of the aircraft. And it just wasn't the, they brought this component that they built in the lab down in another facility where there's no aircraft, you know, and they brought it up to, to install for flight tests. And I'm like, Hey, this doesn't match up. Like the mount holes here are offset from the aircraft. I, you know, you got to redesign it. Like, no, it's correct. I said, no, it's not, you know? And and I, you know, you had to take, you have to take them out there, some arguing back and forth. They finally go out and they look at it and like, oh, wow, it is offset. I said, 
what what your drawings show you? Well, come to sh- come to find out, the drawings that he was basing everything off of, and they were a new engineer, but the drawings are wrong. They had the center line of the aircraft two inches off from what it was, so the drawings are wrong. The oh person had never seen the aircraft, never even laid eyes on the aircraft till it came up to the flight test facility, but but it just wouldn't mount. He's like, huh, that's interesting. So everything that I've put together uh, is going to be wrong for this whole pro- project, and they had to scrap the project because it was just hundreds of thousands of dollars wasted, you know, because the drawings are wrong. Yeah. And like when stuff like that happens, it's like taking, like comparing an an astronaut to an astronomer, you know, like, oh, he's trying to tell you all, all the widgets of the stars and all that. Like, dude, I'm looking at it. (laughs) I'm here. I'm standing (laughs) on it. I know, I know what I'm talking about. I don't care what your math says. I'm telling you, it doesn't fit, you know, (laughs) but then it's like, they don't believe you for some reason. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not uh, questioning it, your intelligence. I'm just telling you like something or another is, is a miss and you need to apply that, that brain power to what's actually going on. <laughs> yeah. Use your eyes, be a master craft engineer and use your eyes. Cause I mean, math is fine and all that, you know, that's more than I can do. So, you know, my hat goes off to them in that aspect, but, but also just some practical application goes a long way too. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a lot of headaches and a lot of issues could be fixed that way. But, you know, the aircraft would probably be four times the size it is if it was designed by maintainers <laughs> rather than engineers. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we tank diving and it's just to go into this one little space. Uh, we, we talked about a little bit about like uh, MVP, you mentioned like blacksmithing and stuff like that. Uh, another trade that I've seen that's, that has some type of mastery that almost nobody takes um, an awareness of is uh, welding, right? Oh like, man, uh, that, that is a pe- skill and a half. Yeah, and not gonna lie, I've done some welding. I'm pretty decent at it, but I've seen some guys that when they weld, it just looks like like they're sewing metal together. It's it's so wild watching them do it, and they can do all these like weird snake patterns into the weld itself. And into the, the the surfaces that are made, I can't explain it. It just looks like they're like it almost looks like a machine was what welded it because it's so perfect. But yeah, they did it by hand, and you know that's a skill that I I also don't have. A lot of just add that to the list of skills I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> right, like check mark stuff I don't have. And in in most most cases where people who deal with metal when they do weld, sometimes they overshoot it, so they have to grind it flat. Right. More mm-hmm. so than what they normally would just to kind of true it up or or smooth it out. But then you have this kind of people like it it's like one beat done. No 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 grinding, no smoothing, no truing, nothing. It's just perfect. Like, I hate you. <laughs> oh, I know. Well and 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 to add to all this, um, I think part of a master craftsman is, you know, forward thought or future thought. Okay, I'm working this job now, but what happens when I have to come back and inevitably maintain this in the future? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, if I, yeah, you know, I can, I can tear it all apart and put it all back together the way it was, but I know it was, I know how much of a pain that was the first time. How can I, how can I adjust this to make it better? You know, and that might require, yeah, changing some drawings and whatever else, but maybe your industry doesn't work off that. Let's say uh, you're a plumber, right? So just right. from my experience yesterday, I know I was, telling you guys uh, offline but um had a leak coming from the bathroom in the wall kind of leaking through the exterior wall of my home so i had to i called a friend over who was a 
plumber and electrician in his past life and kind of takes a look at it and, you know, has all the proper tools, but we have to cut a hole into the wall, but it's just watching him cut. And he didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't, you know, just do, Hey, it's not mine. So I'm just going to cut in here and whatever, you know, mm-hmm. took his time, made nice fine lines, you know, didn't cut it any bigger, didn't cut a, a four foot hole in the wall. He said, let me start small, reach in there with a light and inspect and see how big I really need to make this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So instead of saying, Oh, I'm going to put this massive thing in here. And then he's like, and why I don't want to cut it that big. I said, well, you can cut it as big as you need to. You're like, I, I'll just thank you for the help. Mm-hmm. He's like, cut he's like, no, no, no. He's like, because uh, I don't want to do this. Um, I only want to make it this big if I can, because then there's these um, inspection panels you can install on the side of your home. So instead of closing this back off, we'll put an inspection panel here and you can pop it open anytime to look at it. Or if you get a leak in this area again, it's just easier to get to the next time. Right. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, I was just going to cut a hole in the wall and figure it out from, you know, just basically hip fire it one step at a time. But, but the master craftsman is already 10 steps ahead of what they're doing. They're already thinking that far ahead, I guess is what I should say. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And again, a lot of this goes back into that training and experience. Uh, Like you mentioned, MVP with the blacksmith takes years upon years. Um, Yeah. Trial and error. You're going to go through a lot of failures, you know, figuring it out along the way, but then you teach the next step, the next generation, your mistakes. Hey, learn from my mistakes. Don't do this. And hopefully as time goes on, you know, mistakes get less and less and minuscule or whatever else. Yeah. Absolutely. And that goes on to like that forever journey of it. Like it, you're always got to be learning your skill. Cause if you just stick to one method or one uh, type of procedure, you're going to go obsolete really fast, especially the way things are evolving and the way things are progressing. And we get a lot of that stuff in basically any industry. Like this is the only way, and this is how we're going to do it. And that's that this is, this is how it's done. Right. But like, yeah, but that stuff died off. Like however many, some, days weeks years ago like some of this stuff that you're talking about fell off in the in the early 90s <laughs> you know and we're here in in the 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 2000s or late 2000s or whatever and you're still in that early mindset when things were still analog uh, applications yeah in um, the digital age but trying to use analog applications to digital doesn't yeah. work but it also doesn't work reverse either <laughs> right <laughs> true and uh Fault me for this if I'm wrong, but I I remember watching something about, or I remember hearing rumors about sushi chefs where their first uh, couple years of apprenticing as a sushi chef is you're just the dishwasher. You're just washing dishes, sharpening knives, and you're just watching the whole time. You're not doing anything with fish other than just doing like the the basic bitch work basically <laughs> you know when i think that's how most apprenticeships so i've, I've heard that as well six about uh sushi chefs as they, they start and i think most apprentices even in in the blacksmithing trade i think a lot of them start out sweeping the the shop floor yeah right cleaning up the metal shavings cleaning slag up you know stoking the fire just kind of you kind of kind of like you were with your dad growing up we all were hold the flashlight type thing (laughs) and it's never right (laughs) it's never right yeah you're still never holding it right you could have the sun shining into the to the engine bay of your car and uh it's still not enough light in the right area (laughs) but yeah i think that's what you know i think it's most of you start off and you're like okay just watch and listen see what you can pick up. I'm not going to tell you anything. Just, I want you to see what you pick up and what you notice. And I think that's a way for them to feel out, Hey, am I, is this, 
worth my investing my time into this individual to right. teach them, yes, teach them what it takes. Because why, why invest so much if the person's just, just there, just a warm body, so to speak. Right. Or you know, like, uh, or they just want the 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 master title for the clout, really. You know, like, um, I I just want to be able to be, be call myself like uh, a blacksmith or uh, a sheet metal specialist or master, whatever, because it sounds cool. Because it, it gives me a little bit of a of a notch on my belt. Or it's the resume builder, so they do whatever minimums required to get that certificate put on the resume, and then they to apply for a job that they're really not that they, they're on paper qualified for, but skill set wise, not qualified for. And, uh, there's that meme out there. It says, when you get the job, when you lied on your resume and still got the job anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw one like that where it was, a uh, engine, uh, intake manifold. And it says I, he said he could weld and it's just like, uh, a bunch of shit <laughs> just garbage welds and, and and slag metal laying everywhere yeah there's pinholes through the welds and yep. <laughs> there's even tape oh, on there at one point yeah i mean it might as well be tape at that point um so there's some job there's some trades out there especially in the u.s um that actually have masterable if that's even a word masterable trades where and there's certain um, wickets you need to hit in order to get that. Uh, a good amount of them is like experience hours. Like you have to work so many hours as a this or as a that. And then there's uh, actual instruction hours that you have to hit. Like you have to take certain courses for X amount of hours. And it has to be certified or accredited by this organization or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have so many hours in to just be able to teach the subject alone, but just having the hours alone isn't good. You have to get those hours just to be able to take the test to see if you qualify to teach. Right. Um, I know, I think in plumbing and electrical, it's, uh, they call it a journeyman. Yeah. And to be a journeyman, you have to, yeah, you have to have so many hours, uh, in, and I think within certain States there's, you know, each state has their own, codes or, or set of tests you have to actually test out to to see if you qualify to be a journeyman right mm-hmm. now if you make that then you qualify for you know higher page pay wages and such and such things like that mm-hmm. or you can charge more the hour if you're running your own own business but um but as you should right if you can qualify if you can prove you have the, the skill set and the knowledge base to to do the work you say you can do but mm-hmm. but yeah that's it's um it's not just one of those like, oh, yeah, I've done it three times and you know, I consider myself a master. No, it's not the case. There's usually boards that accredit you, you know, basically say, yep, you, you can be one of us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I've seen some instances where, especially in the aviation set, I mean, shoot me from lightning, but a lot of their hours or their requirements, a lot of it is pencil whipped. You know what I mean? They just like this is my buddy, this is my homie, or this is uh, someone, this is something we just really need to have on our team because it's mandatory or whatever the case may be. So they just pick someone who has any sort of intelligence and they just pencil whip it the whole, the whole way through. I think we've all seen that. I think every industry has that to a certain degree, you know, <laughs> where it's, there's, um, you know, you have, let's just say like a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. You have your, your valedictorian, 
who graduated, you know, with a PhD, but there's also a student, there's also a doctor out there who had a D average still passed, but, but it was a D average, you know? So <laughs> they just hit the, the, the minimum wickets, what it takes to, to be able right. to get license to operate or whatever else. Right. And and you can, you, and you can see that in the work too. Like, um, there's one, uh, there's one job I had, I was, um, a telephone installer and there's one, like, um, I had this one uh, supposed master and uh, electrician come by, and he would the way he was routing his cables, running his lines, and all that, and it just looked like like a computer throw up, you know, <laughs> like just just plug it where it fits, you know, and just kind of fit it where it, where wherever it could go. And it was like, hey, it looks like uh, when you go into a home and you're, you're like, oh, I did all the electrical work myself, and it looks like a rat's nest of wires, and you're like, yeah, what? yeah, wait that's a minute. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, wait a minute. Wait and then you're trying to find like wherever a fault is and you can't find it because you got to dig through this, the spaghetti uh, ball or the, the yarn ball of uh, of electrical wires. Like, where the Like, hell? if you've ever been in the server room, if you work for a big company and you go into their server room, typically you'll see all the, all the fiber cables and they'll be, you know, run, they'll try to run them as tip, you know, as nice and clean as possible over to a main bundle and everything's labeled properly. But then you see those pictures where it's like, it's one's running their, their wrap around another one and one's going off this way and one's crossed over to the other one. And you're like, how do you even say you have a problem? How are you even troubleshooting this? Yeah. Like, what a nightmare, you know? Yeah. So matter of fact, I did, we actually ran into a situation like that where we had to troubleshoot a line. And so we had a tracer on the, on the side that we could actually see. And it's supposed to ping whenever you bring, you run a, a scanner or a probe through it. We're going, we're going down the line where we, to where we possibly think the the fault is and we just hear the widget like pinging off like like whistling its song and whatnot and it's just going to like this ball of yarn of wires i'm like well it's in here somewhere and you just start <laughs> crying when you see it you're like no no no, please, no. <laughs> you know and it's one of those situations where the only way to find it is to just start cutting shit away like, yeah that's exactly what you have to do because you have to you have to start unraveling the ball of yarn because that's that's the only only way to to do it properly, and you go, and I can't leave it this way, you know, because the next person after me is going to think I left it this way, and I don't want my name tied to this right work, right? And I think that's so true of a lot of us in aviation. He's like, God, this is I can't let this go. Like I got to fix this. Yeah, this yeah. isn't right because yeah. the next person is going to say, Oh my God, they're going to see your name in the logbook and go, Oh no, can't trust anything that person does, even if you had nothing to do with that. But that is this is how it goes. Right. I think one of the biggest qualities of a master craftsman is um pride in your work yes you you know yeah you can be skilled at what you do and you can you can make something out of nothing but there's there's also that sense of pride in work like no i'm gonna do it this way because it's the right way and when people hear my name they automatically associate it with quality work or I want my name to mean something to where when they say, Oh, who did that? I was like, Oh, well, it was, you know, MVP. Oh, well, don't even worry about it. You know, it's good. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. And, that, and like, like we've been saying over and over, like it kind of, it goes into like the pride, it goes into the training, it goes into the experience. And, um, I think this, I think this also ties in with pride. It goes into the, the integrity of the person. Like, um, how, how willing is this person to just let that go. He's like, okay, it's like this little, little fault, very minuscule. You'll never see it. And he's just willing to let it go. You know? Yeah. Like, ah, it's not, it's not right, but it's not, <laughs> it's not wrong enough. <laughs> it's not wrong enough for me to care. 
to care to fix it where there's other people that you know it could be one centimeter off i'm like nope redo it gotta yeah. gotta have a dead on I'm right. like well there's tolerances for a reason I'm like yeah but i'm gonna get it to the low end of those tolerances yeah you know i want it, i want that tolerance to be as tight as possible i don't care if there's a half inch tolerance i'm gonna have it as close to zero as possible you know right. what i'm saying yeah. yeah and i think that's um like you said the integrity that's a that's a big one of it mm-hmm. integrities some people have it and some people don't mm-hmm. now shoreline from your from your industry I'm, i guarantee you there's i don't know if you guys have any certifications or whatever for for the audio side but uh if you want to touch on that a little bit yeah so there's tons of certifications that you can get um a lot of them have to do with like working with uh, different networking tools and stuff like that, different consoles, different sound systems, stuff like that. Um, but really for for us, at least in the part of the industry that I'm in, uh, being a live sound engineer and being an audio engineer, dealing with sound, not just dealing with systems necessarily. Um, yeah, the, the real sign of a master craftsman, and you guys touched on, I think, all of these points, but um, is that person that really takes the extra time to make it a hundred percent right um you know i've i've uh, had the pleasure of working with um peter frampton twice and his crew is one of the most professional crews i have ever dealt with um and i mean he's been touring for forever so you would expect that but um everybody that was involved in that production was a master at what they did uh his guitar tech was phenomenal i mean he was quick at everything he had a great guitar world set up so you know he was able to navigate that really well and and he wouldn't let anybody back there because you know lots of very expensive very uh sensitive equipment um but you know he was very particular about how he wanted it and we helped him set it up and then we just walked away and he did what he did um and then they had let's see for the first time i worked with them we were in a small a smaller room with a not great pa and you know this pa is 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 from the mid 90s and this was 2018 i think um so you know these boxes have been beat up and and been outside and been i mean just the worst of the worst has happened to these boxes yeah used uh, and abused beaten yeah. to shit right one of the best sounding shows i have ever been to was peter frampton on that PA. He just worked with it and he was like, so this is what we got. Okay, cool. We'll make it happen. And he was able to take that, you know, that, that piece of shit PA and, and it was one of the best sounding shows I've ever been to. Now, fast forward two years later, you know, uh, we're in a bigger room with a brand new top of the line PA and He's got a systems tech with him. So he's got a guy whose job it is uh, just to uh, what, what we call tuning the system. So um, his job is to mathematically make the room sound even everywhere as, as much as possible. Right. Um, and it was cool because a lot of the, a lot of the times if I'd work with people like that, it's well, the front of house guy is somewhere, the systems tech comes in and does his thing, and then the front of house engineer comes in. They don't really interact a whole lot. Um, but in this case, uh, Jim Yakabuski was the front of house engineer, and I'm so sorry that I'm spacing on uh, their system engineer's 
name, but they worked together so cohesively. I mean, they were just side by side the whole time. Um, and it wasn't like, a, well, my I'm having to write his ass because I, I, I have to have this PA sound like this. It's he's genuinely interested in like, cool. So what are you doing? This is what I'm hearing here. You know, I know that, you know, 400 Hertz is a little hot here, but you know, that's what, that's what I need out of this space because we're in a box and it's not a room that's meant to sound good. And like, this is what I know I'm going to need. And they were just cohesively working together. Um, and that was an incredible show to be a part of, um, you know, and everybody was a little on edge because it was, because they were on a stadium tour or an arena tour rather. So they have all their own audio equipment, stuff like that. But because we are contracted with the, with the casino we were working with, um, they had to use our stuff. So then it was like, uh, okay. Um, so we, we all just kind of had to work together and we got it done and, and they were super happy and super easy to work with. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid to, take the extra step and he would even show me what he was doing. Cause he's like, yeah, this is what I'm doing here. This is what we're looking at. Um, and even to when he was mixing the show, um, you know, he, he just took that extra time to be like, you know, what are your thoughts? Will you go up here and, and, and make sure it's, it's sounding good up there and then come back. Let me know. Let's trade notes. Um, so like you guys said, it's really somebody that takes that extra time to, be good at what they do and to produce the best quality product that they can. Um, I think is really a great sign of a master craftsman above, above certifications. Cause you can have piece of papers all day long. I mean, my industry in particular is very experience driven. Uh, it's not at all education driven. I mean, you can, like I said, you can have a degree from the art Institute of Seattle. You can, you can have, you know, uh, whatever certification, but if you don't know how to use it and you don't, um, and you can't show that you know how to use it effectively, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. I fully agree with you on that. And you, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head on that one where like, um, you can have someone who has all the paperwork in the world, all the pedigrees in the world, et cetera, but he just cannot put the the connections together <laughs> that that be the and part of that too is you know can they operate under pressure yes like yes, can they operate like like when when like yeah sure you can tell me on a piece of paper what to do but if i put you in the shit and you, are you going to freeze up or are you going to make solvers. it worse that's 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 a big quality of a master yes, craftsman is problem solving absolutely. on this i mean like you said in a high stress situation one of the things i heard you say is that that you know you had a, a, a piece of equipment from the mid '90s, and here we are, here it was the late 20 teens, and um, okay, you know this is what I got, and this is what um, this is what I can do, and a master craftsman makes doesn't doesn't make excuses. They make lemonade out of lemons. They take okay, this is what I got, and I can, and they make the best out of it that they can. They problem solve. They resolve. Right. And, and 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 make it happen. Right. They or, they don't they don't make excuses. Right. Or like turn rocks sure. into swords and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> they can. Yeah, like I said, take something, take nothing, and turn it into something. You right. Know, yeah. Going back Absolutely. to the beginning of the episode. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, for anyone in question, like, so how do I become a master craftsman? Right. 
Uh, we we said it throughout the show, like there's some certifications you got to go through and there's all these different steps for it. And it's kind of, it's trade and industry specific. But most of all, you got to be A, passionate about your work or your skill, whichever the case may be. And you, you got to have the integrity and the drive to do it. You, you know, it's not just something you can just pick it up as a hobby and just expect to be good at it the second you touch it i mean so some people say that like oh i don't expect to be good but then you can really see them beating themselves up or they just give up yeah they're the big the, the biggest critique is themselves yeah you yeah. know they're harder on themselves than anybody else ever would be right and that's 100 yeah. percent fine it's when you just like throw throw the throw the gloves down and just walk away and just not really make the solid attempt to try to learn it you just let make that that one or two defeats be the end all be all and just kind of call it quits you know one other one other uh sign for me of a master craftsman is being able to explain something to somebody uh like they're five um right. like being, being able to dumb it down but also make them understand what's going on right um, well, being a, a, a master craftsman is is a, is a great teacher yeah. Yes. Or can be, right? That's another mm-hmm. quality of them is, yeah. is being able to relay the information they know to someone who doesn't. Yeah, right. all, all yeah. master craftsmen can be great teachers, but not all teachers can be master craftsmen. Oh, shots the fired. Those, pew, pew. What's the old saying? Those who can't do teach. Oh, shots fired again. That's, pew, that's, pew. Another, that's another <laughs> saying I've heard over the years. Yep. Yep. Got it. Got it there. Uh, closing thoughts, MVP. Well, just take your... Take your time. If you want to become a master craftsman, um, start working with one someone who is. Um, ask for their inputs, get their advice. Just watch them, shadow them, um, imitate, imitate what they do. Model yourself after their work ethic and their skill set. You know, um, get their input, research your own industry, determine you know if you want to go that route. What all qualifications are required for you to be able to test out and become a master craftsman yourself. So then you can relay on down the line to the next person. Right. Pass on what you have learned. <laughs> Caveat to this one. Some, in most cases, some, or in some cases, sorry, some master craftsmen are not famous. They're just, they're just kind of like that well-known circle, but they don't really have that kind of a plub, that urge to be public with it. They You just kind of know because like they have this certain, um, signature in their work whether it be a, a no kidding signature or this oh this person al- always does this kind of um uh this kind of tweak to their to their design or to their um their craft so uh, don't always look up look up someone who's famous um you just kind of have to feel it out and see like okay who this work looks really good who did that one and then kind of research away from there so that's that's a really good point because i would say majority of the master craftsmen that i've met over my career wasn't somebody who was known throughout the industry as being the best at something that you just happen to work with and you're like this person is top notch you know what i mean yeah what's funny is when you get when you work with those people you don't know who they are and then you start researching them and you realize, Oh, this person's written books. This person has, you know, worked with X, Y, Z, this like, you know, like it's, it's yeah, crazy. This person designed and built such and such component in their yeah. garage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. It's just- like taking that same example that I was giving you guys, uh, Jim Yakabuski, he, so 
I work with him and then I'm like, man, I really liked working with that guy. Let's see what else, you know, let's, let's research him. So then you look and he's, you know, worked with all of the bands. I mean, pretty much everybody at this point. Um, he's just, he's, he's an incredible guy, but he also like when he's not doing that, when he's not touring, you know, he's out teaching at churches to try to make church sound better or, you know, out educating other people on what we, on, on live sound. So, you know, having the desire to do that kind of thing to me is also a huge uh master craft not not being too big for any job Um, right bingo but still but still taking the time to to be prideful in your work right yeah and again like we said you know pass on what you learn don't just keep it to like oh this is just my small circle of famous people or whatever the case may be exactly yeah uh we like to thank our patrons for supporting us on the show and having shoreline be ever the so happy to and grateful <laughs> he's grateful, grateful. <laughs> to be helping us on the podcast erica lamont chris hawkins stephanie boltman jenny dignan ryan frushauer daniel schubert and stephen shires thank you guys so much for all of your support on patreon and thank you all the audience for supporting us feeding us your your inputs your ideas and just feeding back with uh with how we are on the show uh, check out our um, our website, cancelformaintenance.com. Uh, learn more about us, uh, some of the things that we've done. Um, you could also use that website to send us your ideas. Or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, show up, uh, hit up that contact us section on the website. Uh, as of right now, our, our shop is currently under construction. We're retooling some things around to make your shopping experience all the more better for you guys. And also, if you have ideas for some merch, shoot us that way too. Um, check out some of our sponsors like Rockwell Time. Um, they make a lot of uh, outdoorsy uh, apparel such as uh, snowboarding glasses, watches, and um, and like flannel uh, t-shirts, other kind of outdoorsy stuff. Uh, if you visit rockwelltime.com, use the code CX4MX and save 20% off your purchase. Uh, again, uh, visit us on Patreon, support us on Patreon. Um, all Patreons will get exclusive access, such as uh, live meet and greets with us on Discord, and then um, merch that's uh, exclusive only to them and other sort of and other special discounts. Awesome, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate Have it. Good. Have a great Have day. A good way. <laughs>